With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of We've Never Been Clicked, the Good Bull Hunting interview show. I am thrilled to introduce my guest today, ESPN's Sam Kahn Jr. covering the Aggie Beat. Most of you know him. How are you doing, Sam? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time since we caught up. I know we exchanged tweets and things like that, but I don't think I've actually seen you since... Were you at the Texas Bowl when Texas played Arkansas? I feel like I saw you there. I was not actually at that game. <laughs> oh, it was K-State. It was the Texas Bowl where A&M actually played. But yeah, that game I was at. And I remember, I think we saw each other at McFerrin in the indoor facility. A spring practice or a pro day or something. That doesn't sound like something I'd be invited to, but that is <laughs> a possibility. I remember thinking, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. The first time I ever saw you, I, I think it was in the NRG tunnel and I was like talking to you about what a big fan I was and then eventually I introduced myself. It's been a minute but I still am seeing and reading your guys stuff. I very much enjoy it. I threw it out to Twitter and to the Good Bull Hunting authors to ask what people wanted to hear from you and everyone came back with this. You have a pretty famous tweet in Aggie Twitter lore where you filmed the intro, the walkout to power. How often does that bounce back into your timeline? For a few years, it was, I would say, every couple of months in the off season. Someone would start it around May when it was post-spring football and recruiting's done. It's like really getting dead in college football. Inevitably, like some random student or fan would be like, can't wait for Kyle Field this year and would retweet the video. And then it would start just a wave of notifications <laughs> coming and coming and coming. And then ultimately what would happen is a coach or someone at A&M that is a fairly high profile would retweet it because, I mean, it's a pretty cool clip and video. Yeah. And that would bring in a whole another group of fans and, and the eyeballs to it. I think to date, it's been viewed like 3.1 million times. Wow. The fortunate thing for me is that once I figured out, I think it was like late last year, that Twitter would allow you to mute notifications on a particular tweet. I was finally able to do that. And no, now, you can't. <laughs> it happens, but now I only see it when specifically people direct it at me like in a reply okay if someone retweets it and like tags me in it then i'll see it but i definitely have muted the notifications on that <laughs> because I, I can't do it every off season because it happens every off season like randomly when i won't be on my phone 
Uh-huh. It will start popping up. Everyone who's listening to this, you heard it straight from Sam. Be sure to tag him when you retweet <laughs> the Power video so that he gets that notification. What do you think about Power? I Believe it or not, I have not gotten tired of the song. So, And, and I do think it is one of the coolest entrances in college football. You know, I mean, certainly there are a lot of them to go around. What you see at LSU, Clemson, Virginia Tech, uh, even Florida State. I do think that one is pretty, pretty good. And just the energy in the building that you feel. I remember doing the Clemson game last year and recording that and just sitting down on the sideline during that entrance and just how loud it was when that comes on and when everybody's chanting and the team runs out. I can't imagine what that feels like as a player or a coach if you're running out of that tunnel to have the stadium rocking like that. It's quite an impressive feat. Obviously, in offseason, everybody argues about whether we should update power or change it to something different. We did our own podcast episode where we proposed our songs like the DuckTales theme song. And (laughs) I was thinking about the shelf life of power because it doesn't have any lyrics. The version we use, it can be pretty enduring uh, and it takes a while to train a fan base to know what to do during the entrance. And we're there now. So it's kind of like, why ruin a good thing? Yeah, I would agree. I would say it. I don't think it's run its course quite yet. For certainly for some people, I mean, different strokes, different folks. I've, I'm sure some people are tired of it, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, I would definitely ride it out another few years. I, I think it's still very good, and I still think, especially for the players themselves, players that you know were listening to this in high school, right? It's. I still think it's relevant enough. I, there will probably come a point where it needs to be changed, but I would say right now, no. I, I would stick with it. It works. Yeah, and your engagement's up, so why why step on that? Absolutely. <laughs> Anything that involves participation from the student body and fan base is something that I think A&M likes. Yeah, that's true. And we were talking yesterday in the podcast we released this morning about what an extreme content desert we're in right now, mm-hmm. which is kind of a good thing. It means there's not a lot of scandal around Texas A&M's football program. Knock on wood. Uh, so are there any interesting storylines that you're following this offseason? Uh, we're coming up on a, our first and only open practice. So it feels like football's almost here. What's going on? The main things I'm looking for are just improvement from the team as a whole. The, the schedule storyline has certainly been beaten like a dead horse. Mm-hmm. We've done that, yes. And I think that's something that will continue throughout the season just because that's just the fact of the matter. Their schedule is... One of the toughest, if not the toughest in the country, you're facing one, two, three, and six, at least based on the coaches poll. That is a realistic thing to talk about. That said, I do think this team is going to be better this year. It just is a matter of whether or not it shows up in the win-loss record. But for me, what I would watch with this team is what parts of the team are getting better, what parts of the team are the most important. And for me, offensive line obviously is huge. Linebacker, I feel like we say that every offseason at Texas A&M, but linebacker is really, really important. And, and secondary to a certain extent. But I think at quarterback, you got to feel good with Kellen. I think at receiver and, and tight end, you feel pretty solid. I mean, you got all the receivers back pretty much. You got some fresh new tight ends, but you like the measurables and the ability they have. Running back, replacing Travion Williams is tough, but they do have a lot of guys. They seem to be really high on Jay Sean Corbin. I certainly like them. From a defensive line standpoint, this is a time in A&M football these last year or two that they've really been good at that spot. That was one thing I think early in the Sumlin era that they had a lot of problems with. And 
now they recruited to the point where it's really, really good and it's deep. And even though you've lost a couple guys up there that you still feel pretty good about it. So I'd say O-line, linebacker, and secondary are probably what I'm watching from the team standpoint. But as a whole, on a big picture standpoint, I'm just curious how much better they are in year two. I think they will be better as a team. I just want to know how many wins it'll translate to. Yeah, and I I was wondering that too. How much of a jump do you think there might be just from having – year two of Jimbo and maybe more importantly, year two of Mike Elko. Both are going to be significant. The question is, can that translate into a win over Clemson (laughs) in week two? Can that translate into a win over Georgia at the back end of the season? Or can you beat LSU in Death Valley? Certainly they beat LSU last year, so they got over that hump. But if you can steal one of those games, then you could be looking at a nine and three season. If you happen to steal two, you could be looking at 10 wins. I think it's asking a lot to still, too. If you're able to get one of them and you go, if you're able to win the rest that you're supposed to, which is not necessarily easy, as, as you guys know, yep. A&M has had some trouble over the years jumping into the Mississippi schools and things like that. So the, the SEC is, is its own beast to deal with, and the SEC West is, is its own beast to deal with. So I don't know how much it'll show up in the record, but I do think they're going to be better because – they already know what to do. They pretty much know how to do it. Now it's, I think it's more fine-tuning. Certainly with the newcomers that you've got, you've got to build some of that foundation. But having both your guy calling offensive plays and your guy calling the defense back, that's a huge thing for, for a team. Yeah, and you mentioned we kind of beat the schedule difficulty into the ground already. But what, one thing you raised that is interesting is that when we talk about those four big scary games, we do kind of assume – that we're going to beat Auburn and South Carolina and Mississippi State. Very losable games. Uh, So what record do you think Aggies should be happy with or or at least satisfied with this year? I think if you're 8-4, and it's fine. You would put emphasis on trying to win that bowl game. And if you can match last year's win total, I think you got to feel good. If you get nine wins in the regular season, I think you feel really good. Yeah. Because because that, given what they have in front of them, I think that's going to be a – pretty solid accomplishment. The one that I would really watch is the Clemson game in week two because Clemson has a lot of questions up front because of how much they lost on that defensive line. Mm -hmm. Those questions may not be fully answered by week two for them. Now, the talent they've recruited, unbelievable. They are in another stratosphere along with Alabama from the rest of college football and the way they've recruited in recent years. And so the talent they have on the roster is impressive. But I think when you look at where A&M is from a defensive line standpoint where they bring back guys who can stop the run, who can get after the passer, and you bring back a quarterback and a bunch of experienced receivers, I think that's as good a spot as you can ask to be in going into that game. So I think that one's going to be a really important one to watch. Eight and four, nine and three is fine. I think if, you're, if you win seven games, I think you're a little bit disappointed if you're an A&M fan. I'm right with you on that. Everyone's been saying 2020 is the year. Yes. Uh, when, when A&M can take a step forward with uh, a more relaxed schedule, maybe. We've all kind of talked about how difficult the schedule is, and then they'll come out and do something amazing like win 10 games. That would be sweet. That would send the 2020 hype into a new level. Oh, yeah. Because you trade that Clemson non-conference game for Colorado. You trade that Georgia cross-division game for Vanderbilt. And all of a sudden, you're probably talking playoff contender at that point if you win 10 this year. Uh, and I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, you know, I mean, Jimbo Fisher has a ring for a reason. And I think he's got this program moving in the right direction. There's just a different feel around this program 
than there had been in the past over the last year. And I think that he's he's a really good coach. He's an elite coach. I mean, there's no question about it. I think the way he run his program is going to bear out over time uh, why he is considered as good as he is. Good. Well, let's hope so. He has that plaque that has the national championship. Sometime between now and 2099, he has to win a national championship That's game. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you are, will be alive in 2099, but... No, no. Science would have to do quite a lot. But <laughs> uh, speaking of stories that we've beaten into the ground, I have a little contract in front of me from SB Nation that says I have to bring up the Texas versus Texas A&M series. Oh, Lord. <laughs> How many times have you heard this discussed this offseason? Oh, uh, not as much because I try to actively avoid it. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually had this conversation with a fellow reporter and, and an editor of mine. And I had said at one point, I refuse to do these stories until some actual tangible progress is being made because I'm tired of it being discussed every off season. And a lot of us in the media and I mean, the fans eat it up. That's fine. But a lot of us in the media just go for it because it's easy content. Yeah. And to me, it doesn't, it's not relevant unless there are actual tangible steps being taken. And so until that happens, I don't want to hear it because all it is is a bunch of bickering between two fan bases who claim not to care that much about each other when they actually do. Oh, come on. You know, we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I think you and Bill Connolly covered this last last podcast. That's true. And I'm biased because I grew up with it, but that's what we did every Thanksgiving. You know, you ate your Thanksgiving and you watched Texas, Texas A&M and I miss that, you know, and I, I didn't go to either school. I don't have an association with either school. So that there wasn't any emotional tie to it. It was just kind of what you did. And I, I think it's good for college football. It's good for the state. You know, I know both schools have their arguments whether or not it's good for them. To me, all that matters is putting a great product in front of the people you serve, which is the fan base. And so I think that puts a better product. There's a lot that has to be done in terms of scheduling. There's no doubt because you have schedules are sorted out, you know, a decade in advance, which is dumb. I hate that too. I I don't, I think the way college football programs schedule out non-conference games, I think is the height of insanity, but (laughs) I feel like what it would take for it to happen is somebody has got to put a lot of money up Uh, so much money that neither school could turn it down. And right. I don't know, I don't know if, if, I don't know what that point is because both schools make so much money, you know, and both school, both football programs are very healthy. So I don't know if there is an amount, but if there's anything that talks, it's money. And so if someone's able to put up enough money to get this thing going from a sponsorship standpoint or whatever, I think it would be great because you remember what it felt like that week, you know, the, the week that you played your rival, it's a big deal and people pay attention to it. And does it have ramifications in recruiting and things like that. Sure. But I don't think, I mean, that's a year to year thing and and there's a lot of great memories in that series over the years. So I think it would be great to have it, but yeah, I hate discussing it every off season until something actually happens because it just is this vicious cycle that I feel like will never stop. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I brought it up because I knew you would hate it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the Jay Arnold camp on this. He's an ex player, but he, he's one of the few who champions that he's like, we just want to play the game. And yeah. Totally with Jay on that. We're, and people are tired of me talking about it and, and our website. A funny thing, we're live streaming this on Periscope and we dropped by like 20 viewers once I brought up the game. Oh, see? People I, are so see, tired people of talking to about feel it. like me too. I, yep. I am with those people. 
But if I could have dropped off the podcast, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have. I would have just had to figure out an excuse no, uh, for that no, happening. No. I mentioned a lot of people wanted to talk about your power tweet. Uh, the other topic everyone wanted to bring up was how uh, good of a dresser you are. And <laughs> it's really not even just how uh, how well-dressed you are, but they're also looking to you as an authority on how other people are dressing. One question was, Who's the best dressed SEC coach? I'd probably have to go with Nick Saban because whenever you see him at a media event, not not at post practice or anything, he wears just the polo or whatever. But when you see him at media days or SEC meetings or whatever, anything that is official, that guy looks like money. You know, you see him walk into the national championship when they get off the bus or whatever. Uh, you can tell his clothes cost a lot of money. Oh yeah, Nick is probably the one. Uh, although I would say Dan Mullen has the best shoe game of all the guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, he is, he is very, very good with the sneaker selection. I actually saw him at the AFCA convention in, uh, in January. And I think he had a pair of Jordan Concord 11s on, if I remember correctly. So with his suit. So I was very impressed by that. So Mullen's got the best shoe game, but I think I'd pick Saban as the best rest. Good. So Mullen's a little more contemporary. Saban just has that aura about him uh, and the the clothing's part of that. No doubt. If we didn't lose anything else with Sumlin, I think we did lose that, right? He might have been the best dressed. He, w- he was very good. No, he he did a very good job. His, his game day attire and the tie pocket square combo that he usually had was pretty damn solid. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be sporting the fedora? on the sidelines or in the press box this year? You know, I've dialed back how much I wear the fedora for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't want it to become just the one thing that was my (laughs) go-to. It certainly was kind of what caught uh, a lot of people's attention, but I didn't want to be a one-trick pony, so to speak. So that was one reason. But the other reason is, is especially early in the year, it's really hot. Yes. And wearing a fedora in Texas in September is not ideal. So <laughs> the first couple of years I noticed you collect a lot of moisture up there. And so I decided to dial back how much I wear those. But that said, I will sport one at, at some point. It just has to go right with what I have. You know, it just it really it's really all based on feel. Sure. And so uh, I got to look in the mirror and make sure it looks right before I go out there. Yeah. Like if you know the, the Belk Bowls, they're scouting for best dressed. You got to do it. Exactly. Otherwise, you got to stay cool. Training camp? You will not find me sharply dressed at training camp because yeah. it, I am just trying to survive out there in 100 degree <laughs> heat, especially with Jimbo having 430 practice. That's a battle of attrition. Have you been going up every day? I, I went uh, I went on the first one. I, I'll go back up at some point this week. And they started at 430 and I was like, good Lord, uh, can we start <laughs> at like 630? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's fine. And so I, I went up there on uh, Thursday and then I'll come back probably later this week. I had to make some other stops too because I have to cover a lot of schools in this region. So yep. uh, I've been making stops around the uh, this four-state region. Are you covering UH still as well? Uh, yeah. Well, Dana Holgerson has made them interesting, so I yeah. still do stop over there. Uh, I have to go over to Texas. I uh, went to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, last week too. So uh, I've been bouncing around. Uh, a lot of I bounce around mainly between Big 12 and SEC West. A lot of state of Texas, obviously. You know, I'll I'll, I'll stop in at Baylor and TCU at some point, LSU, so on and so forth. So, over time, I've gathered a lot of schools under my umbrella, and it's become a, a lot of work, but a lot more job security too. So that's good. That's true. That's really cool. And you get yeah, and you get a lot more exposure too. So uh, everyone kind of knows who you are. 
Uh, you're probably not allowed to help me at all, but offline, I'm going to ask you how I can talk to Dana because he's awesome. Oh, sure. Oh, no. He's, <laughs> he's one of the most laid back guys there is. I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's super cool. I have one very important question. I need some dirt on Ben Baby, even though he's not on the Aggie beat anymore and he's heading to, or he's already there in Cincinnati. He's now inside your company at ESPN and he's, I feel like he's kind of like the villain of our podcast. <laughs> so if you have any good stories or dirt on Ben Baby, he's been on two or three times already. Um, we would greatly appreciate that. I know y'all are friends. He wears vineyard vines. So that's, that's <laughs> what I got for you. That's all you need. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah. I remember the one time I showed him practice and he was wearing vineyard vines and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so he, uh, I gave him a hard time about that. It was, it was very jokingly actually, but, yeah, that's funny. uh, but we, we gone back and forth on that, but overall, no, Ben, Ben's a good dude. He had his moments, uh, as he broke into the beat. I know you guys had a podcast with him and he talked to Wendy length about that, but yeah, I think he grew a lot over the three years that he was on the beat. And, uh, I think I'm just happy he's with us. I think he's got a real bright future. He's a talented journalist. He is a good friend of mine. We've become friends over the years. And uh, he's very passionate about his work. I think more than anything, uh, that's what stands out to me is he cares a lot. And I think that's one reason why at times maybe, you know, he came off or maybe rubbed people the wrong way, but he just cares. He cares about doing the job. He cares about doing it right. And uh, he wants to do well. And if something impedes that, it bothers him a little bit. I, I admire that because that that's a sign of somebody who really wants to do well. And so I, he's, he's a good dude. And like I said, he's over there in Cincinnati now. Uh, eating skyline chili he's gone to the dark side <laughs> yeah i don't think he loved it though he called it analogous to taco bell and mexican food saw that i saw <laughs> that but you know i'm excited that he's with us because uh a lot of folks that i've you know worked with and crossed paths with in college football have gone on to some great things you know jake trotter of course who's who was who has been with us moved on to cover the browns yep uh, he's killing it there ben's with us now i i really enjoy uh seeing those guys succeed because they're they're really good at what they do and so uh, I'm excited for him. But yeah, that's the only thing I got on him. No, that's good. I, I jokingly said he's the villain, but it comes from a place of love. We wouldn't we wouldn't talk to him so regularly <laughs> if we didn't <laughs> uh, adore him. So thank you for that. My last question related to going up for practices. Are you going to the autograph event slash open practice on Sunday? I am trying to. Yeah, I'm planning on it as of now. I got to work out the rest of this week. But so far, yeah, I, I would like to go. It's open practice, anytime you can get that and get a look at everything yeah. is a plus. So so I definitely try to take advantage of those. So as of now, yeah, that's my plan. I asked Brent Z and he was dismissive. Are you going to give me a ride to the open practice? I don't mind. Yeah. Any, anybody that wants <laughs> to hang, spend time with me, I'm, I, I'm not, it's not advisable for me to shoo them away. There aren't enough people that like me to come hang out. If, if you want to use me for a ride, that's a okay with me. See, I was joking, thinking you'd find a creative way to say no. And now I feel like I'm on the spot and have no, to find a way all. to make it. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Let me, let me tell you, I've made a lot of uh, solo drives from Houston to college station. And so yeah. anytime I can have company, it's helpful. You're like the nice guy on the beat, but you still get the good story. So we appreciate <laughs> that. And once things actually start happening, I'd love to have you back on to talk uh, more specific Aggie football than we did today. Uh, sure. But but thank you for taking time out of uh, the middle of your busy day to come on here and talk. No problem. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. We just started a subreddit. It's just called Good Bull Hunting. So go follow us over there. Of course, we're GB Hunting on Twitter. 
All right, take care now. Keep away, cause we've never been clicked yet.